0: When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, that's, that's Jesus. He's referring to Himself. And by the way, the term Son of Man is a messianic term. It's a term that was used in the Old Testament, a term that was used particularly in the prophetic books there in the book of Ezekiel. And Daniel refers to the Son of Man. It's a reference to Jesus. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, Then shall he, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus himself, God in the flesh, shall sit upon the throne of his glory. Let me just say that there is coming a day. It didn't happen on his first appearance, but there is coming a day when Jesus Christ will literally step foot on this earth and he will set up a kingdom and occupy the throne of David and he will rule and reign. In righteousness. Verse 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations. All people groups. That's not just as groups but individuals. Everyone will be gathered together to stand before the Lord. Verse 32. And he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand. And the goats... On the left hand. Now, what we've just read in verses 31 through 33, listen carefully, uh, is a scene of judgment of the nations, the final judgment in ancient times. It's interesting uh, in the East and even still today. uh, Sheep and goats would often herd together and graze together. And at the end of the age, Jesus said, When I set up my kingdom, when I rule and reign from this earth, I'm going to divide the sheep from the goats. Now, you understand, if you understand your Bible, who the sheep represent. They represent the children of God. You understand who the goats represent. They represent those that are unbelievers. They aren't the children of God. And so Jesus said that there's a day coming when there's going to be a division. The sheep will be on the right hand. It's interesting that the right hand was always in Scripture the place of favor and the place of blessing. The left hand was a place of disfavor and rejection. And at this final judgment, we learn a couple of things. We learn that our eternal destination is going to be revealed. Because down later on in the text, in the passage, he says to all those on the left, if you'll notice in verse 36, and these shall go away, verse 46, into everlasting punishment. So we understand that our eternal destination is going to be revealed in this judgment. But notice what he says, verse 46, but the righteous are going to be led or go into eternal life, life eternal. But it's interesting That this judgment here, and when we stand before the Lord, it's not only going to be a time when our eternal destination is going to be revealed, but I want you to understand also what will be revealed will be our earthly deeds. In both the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus is going to reveal our works It's interesting, even at the great white throne, it mentions the book of life, what we call the Lamb's book, but then it mentions books, plural. The Lamb's book, the book of life, is a record of our eternal destination. And I say this today, lovingly, friend, that everyone in this room today, uh, if your name, if you are a child of God, your name is found in the book of life, thank God. It's there. And you are as sure for heaven as if you were already there if your name is in the book of life. And our name is in the book. If you're a believer, a child of God, your name is in the book. And you can rest with certainty and assurance today that you're a child of God and that if you are a believer, your name has been placed in the book of life, the Lamb's book. But if your name is not there, If you're not a believer in Christ, you say, well, I believe in Him with my head. No, I mean if you've never been born again, if you've never experienced what the Scripture calls the second birth, if you've never placed your eternal destiny, placed your trust, your faith for your salvation in Christ alone to save you, then, my friend, your name is not in the book of life. So the book of life is a record of our eternal destiny. But the books are a record of our earthly deeds. When we stand as believers at the judgment seat of Christ, there is going to be a revealing, not necessarily a reckoning, but a revealing, an unveiling of the quality of our deeds, of our works on this earth as believers. Listen carefully, you're listening well. Continue to do so. And what Jesus is saying is at this judgment, we in Jesus are going to go through our service. As a believer, for the Christian, we're going to evaluate. He's going to evaluate with us. Romans chapter 14 says this. Second Corinthians also teaches this. 1 Corinthians teaches this, that we will give a logos account. It literally means a verbal, word of mouth account to the Lord. That means you, me, when we stand before Jesus, there are some things he's going to evaluate. I want you to know, hear me carefully, that at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going to be judged for our sins. Those things were paid for and covered and judged in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ by His blood. But what we are going to be evaluated for and judged based upon is our service as believers at the judgment seat of Christ. And here in Matthew 25, it bears this out. So let's keep reading. Go back to verse 34. We had to set the stage. I want to say this to you very carefully too, ladies and gentlemen. Listen carefully. Verses 34 down through the end of the passage. Listen carefully. This is not a passage that teaches that we gain entrance into heaven because of our good deeds. Some have misinterpreted these verses. I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, that is not what Jesus is teaching or stressing. No one ever gains entrance into heaven or into eternity in the presence of God and what the Scripture calls paradise, into heaven, into the glory of the presence of God. No one ever, ever will or has ever gained entrance into heaven because of any work that they have done. It's all through Christ. It's all through Christ. Please, please let that echo in your spirit today. It's all through Christ. What he is doing, though, he is recognizing the fact, listen carefully, that all true believers, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you will have good works and acts and deeds of service that you will render to one another. Look at verse 34. Now, here's where we get to the nitty-gritty of the text this morning. Then shall the king, that's Jesus, Say unto them on his right hand. That's his believers. That's the sheep. Those are the ones that are favored and blessed and saved and sealed. Notice what he says Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Let me just say here some of you this morning, you like, preacher, I ain't, ne- I, excuse me, I've never had much in this life. Well, can I tell you something? Thank God we don't live for this life. And, and, and by the way, if you're a child of God, the day's coming when you're going to have not just everything you need, you're going to have something that's going to blow your mind. We can't even imagine what eternity is going to be like as a child of God. And he says here in verse 34, I want you to know my Father has prepared all of this for you. We just need to take just about a five-second shout time right there and just rejoice and thank God for it. That as children of God, as his, as his children, that we are going to inherit this, not because of our good deeds now, but because of Christ Jesus in His grace and in His forgiveness. But let's keep on. Verse 35. For I, Jesus said, was unhungered. I was hungry, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger, he said. I was a foreigner. And you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, Jesus said. And you came unto me. Verse 37. Then shall the righteous scratch their head, puzzled, (laughs) and answer Jesus saying, Lord, Lord. When did we see you hungry and fed thee? When did we see you thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in? Lord, when did we let you come in our home? When were you naked and we clothed you? Or When, verse 39, when did we see you sick or in prison and we came to you? Verse 40, and the king, Jesus, shall answer and say unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, insomuch as you have done it unto, what well, here it is, one of the least of these, my brethren. You've done it unto me. Lord, we don't, we don't remember visiting you. Lord, I don't remember the time when you were hungry, or thirsty, or needed clothes or food. I don't remember doing that for you. Jesus said, let me tell you, when you do it and when you performed this ministry to the least, the least of these. When you did it for the insignificant ones that could never repay you. When you did it to those who didn't thank you. When you served those and nobody else ever saw it, you've done it unto me. So I want to talk to you, just for a moment, listen carefully, about the least of these. Notice with me, first of all, the demonstration of least of these ministry. Jesus is describing to us here, he's not stressing that we gain entrance into this heaven or into eternity because of what we do. He's simply saying this, that true citizens of heaven demonstrate the genuineness of their faith through rendering service to the least of these. In other words, if you truly are a believer and you really are saved, you really are a Christian, which is not just talk As one person said, talky-talky, but it's walky-walky. It's not just what you profess, but it's what you possess. It's not head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge. It's a transformation that's worked its way from the inside out that Jesus performed on us. It's being born again. Jesus said that a true Christian, a true citizen of this heaven that you're going to be able to experience, a true citizen who's been in Christ and who has faith in Christ, they're going to demonstrate how real their faith is through the service that they render And give, not to the uppity-ups. It's not platform ministry. It's not limelight ministry. It's the least of these ministry. You are doing so good today. Turn to James, James chapter 2, please, in your Bible. Turn there quickly. Hold your place in Matthew 25 because we're going to come back. But look at James. This sounds like what James talks about. In James chapter 2. Notice what he says in verse 14. What does it profit, my brothers, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works? Can faith save him? Or in other words, is a man saved just because he tells you he has faith? Or, a better way to say this, Can a man really show you that he's saved? Is he really demonstrating that he's a Christian just because he professes and tells you that he has faith? Well, it's a rhetorical question, and the answer comes back no. Keep reading. Notice what he says. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, verse 15, and one of you say unto them, Hey, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. In other words, hey, man, bless your heart, brother. Bless your heart. I know you're hungry. You go have a good day. And somewhere along the way, some, somehow, someway, you're going to get full. Now, it, it, can I just say this? That's asinine. That's insane. Well, bless you, brother. I know you're sick. And, uh, but I, I tell you what, bless your heart. He says, he says, verse 16, Is that person in need going to get help just because you verbally bless him in Jesus' name? No. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. In other words, you give them nothing. They're hungry, but you don't give them food. They're destitute, but you don't give them clothing. You don't give them lodging. They don't have anywhere to stay, but that's not your concern. You don't don't do anything about it. You just say, well, bless you, and you go on your merry way. What good does it do? Church, what good does it do? It doesn't do any good, does it? And that's his point. And and it's, it's interesting that he gives this in the context of a person's profession of faith. In other words, don't tell me, James said, don't tell me you're saved. If when you see people all around you that have needs, if you never do anything to meet the need, that doesn't do anybody any good. And you're not doing one thing to show the genuineness of your profession in Christ when you sit on your blessed assurance and you don't do anything at all to help meet the need. Notice what he says in verse Uh, uh, 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And here's what James says. I will show you my faith by my works. I'm not just going to tell you I'm saved. I'm going to show you through the genuineness of my life and through how I serve that I really am born again. But notice, secondly, what I call the description of least of these ministry. The description. Notice the words back in Matthew 25. Notice the words Jesus used. Verse 35, beginning there, hungry. He's talking about ministering to people that are hungry. Literally means famished or starving. He says, I want you to know you've ministered to the hungry. please hear me, there is more to ministry than just feeding the hungry. You can't just feed the hungry and expect them to just, boom, be evangelized. But can I say this, based on what Jesus is teaching here, that part of true ministry includes feeding the hungry? You see, you can go to either extreme. You can say, well, bless God, I know you're hungry, but let me give you a gospel track instead. And they may take it, read it, and they may believe it, get saved. Or you can just say, hey, here's a cheeseburger. <laughs> and no gospel. <laughs> you say, well, which ministry is right? Well, he wants us to do both. Can I get a witness right there? But it does include feeding the hungry. He said, I was hungry was hungry he said said, hey thirsty somebody's thirsty he mentions foreigners stranger is the word that he used here it literally means a foreigner Uh, literally an alien Uh, oh here's a word that's hot today an immigrant i was an immigrant Preacher, what are we going, how's the church supposed to respond to the immigrant and the immigration issue? Well, we're, we're supposed to respond like Jesus taught us right here. We're supposed to minister. We're supposed to love on them. This has nothing to do with the legality of anything. I'm just simply talking about Scripture, what the Bible says. We're to have compassion on people. And, and and by the way, most of us let's just let's just get the jelly- jar, jelly jar down on the bottom shelf where we all live, okay Most of us have a problem or struggle with being compassionate enough like we ought to be with legal immigrants right? I tell you what how come they all how come they got to come over here? I know you ain't never heard that, but I have. Can I say this to you? That attitude, that attitude doesn't reflect what Jesus is talking about right here. He says you minister to them. You treat them with kindness. You find out if they have a need, and then you help meet the need. He talks about being homeless. He, he, he talks about being naked. Not having any clothes, you took me in," he said. "I didn't have where to go. You took me in. You're like preacher. Are you? Well, what are you saying? Well, I'm, I'm not totally, totally sure. All the implications and the modern day application of this. I'm just telling you the the description that Jesus gave right here. He said, I was naked, you put clothes on me, you put clothes, literally it means around my body. And then he talks about those that are sick, those that are in the hospital. He said, you came to see me. And it's interesting, I'm not trying to stretch scripture, it's interesting, he doesn't even specify which hospitals he's talking about. So we can apply this across the board. Nursing nursing homes. Psychiatric facilities within reason. He's not talking about jeopardizing your own safety. But ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully. He's talking about people with legitimate needs that are in hospitals. And he says, you know what you did? You went and you ministered and you vested them and you came to see them. He he talks about people, this is taboo, people that were incarcerated in prison, in jail. You mean, preacher, Jesus wants us to minister to the inmates? I'm just telling you what he said. He said, I was in prison. You went and ministered to those in prison. He's talking about the homeless. He's talking about the prostitutes. He's talking about nursing homes, hospitals. He's talking about Cherry Hospital. He's talking about maybe psychiatric facilities. He's talking about assisted living facilities. He's talking about immigrants. He's talking about migrant workers. He's talking about foreigners. He's talking about prisoners, the folks in jail, he's talking about those that are hungry, those at a food bank, those at a rescue mission. He's talking about the Salvation Army. He's talking about ministering to folks down at the homeless shelter. What kind of ministry is this? <laughs> well, it's costly. It's risky. It's inconvenient. It's awkward. I don't like the. Have you ever walked into a place you went to minister, and 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 and, I don't. I don't like cat smells in here. I have. Oh, I'm 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 a little nervous right now. I'm a little nervous. Did you see how big that dude was? Oh, I I feel awkward. Did you hear what he said to me? It's non-reciprocating. It's unpopular. It's uncomfortable. It's seldom done. It's not about the action. It's all about the attitude. You see, this kind of ministry is born from humility, not pride. Proud people, proud people don't carry out least of these ministry. This is the kind of ministry that seeks the hurting, the forgotten, the ignored, the ostracized, the neglected, the hopeless, the enslaved. Do you know that there's modern day human trafficking that takes place in Goldsboro and Wayne County every single day that you and I live? It's talking about that kind of ministry. Some of our folks had the privilege Wednesday night to go minister to the Wayne Pregnancy Center. And those precious ones down there. And I wish, I wish I could get them. And and I know they would, I wish you could hear for five minutes how they talk about and describe the places they go into. It's not just they're waiting on those precious young ladies to come to them. They go to where they are, those enslaved in drugs and drug addiction, prostitution and sex trafficking, uh, human trafficking here in Wayne County at the various hotels around this area and they go to where they are and they get them out of the situation. They get them out of that human bondage. And can I say that, listen to me this morning. You say, preacher Where would Jesus be? What kind of ministry would Jesus be carrying on if he were here in the flesh today? I I don't know. He might be sitting here at Faith Church. He might not. But I guarantee you sometime today he'd be going to one of those hotels or all of them trying to rescue those women out of that lifestyle. You say, well, who does that? Not many of us. I don't say that to shame you Brother, listen to me Shame on me I see these homeless individuals I see them standing on the street corner You know what got me under conviction This week Hey Christian, I know you don't give them money I know you don't But the Holy Spirit said Why don't you Is it really because you don't want them to take it and use it for drugs and alcohol? Or is it just because you like hanging on to your money? That's a legit question to ask. And only you can answer that for you. I know what the answer was for me. Anybody in here with me this morning? I'm saying this is least of these ministry: The hopeless, the enslaved, the misunderstood, the addicted, the abused, the unloved. Those, hear me, that nobody else is going after. It doesn't seek a platform. It doesn't seek a spotlight. It's not looking for a microphone. It's not looking for a chief seat. It's not looking for an easy road. It's not looking for a convenient path or a clean towel. This is John 13 ministry. This is Jesus ministry. This is getting your towel dirty ministry. This kind of ministry is less chosen, less traveled, less appealing, less publicized, less showcased, more criticized, more rejected, more misunderstood, more difficult, and more offensive. Hear me now. Watch me. Charles Spurgeon said, All these, and I quote, are deeds of love. Not one of them consists of words or ceremonial acts. Not a big fanfare right here. Not a spotlight. He says the truest worship of God is charity and love given to the needy. And then I close with this. <laughs> That's the favorite part of every sermon. The delight of least of these ministry. Verse 40. Notice what Jesus said. Verily I say unto you, in so much as you've done it unto one of the least. You did it for the nobodies. You did it for the little ones. You did it for the insignificant ones. And he's not talking about necessarily children. He's talking about He's talking about those that other everybody else has forgotten. He says, You've 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 served them. And when you've served them, watch this, when you've done it to them, guess what? You've done it for me. When you, when, 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 when you bless, give to, lift up, go see, pray for, reach out to, visit, serve, do something positive for, verbally encourage someone who has no capacity to reciprocate, no admirable human status, no outward attractiveness. He, he said, when, when you do that, you are rendering that service to me. You can say, truly, I've just blessed Jesus. You, you want to know how to bless Jesus? Get involved in the least of these ministry. Look how, look, it's it's interesting. Look how Jesus identifies with his children. He calls them brothers. (laughs) He said, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. You mean Jesus identifies with the down and out? Sure he does. You say Jesus identifies with those in prison? Yeah. Jesus identifies with those in the hospital? Yeah. Jesus identifies with the homeless, with the stranger, with the foreigner? He says right here, he calls them brothers. Those who many, one writer said, would cast off to the dogs, Jesus calls brother. And I say this to you in closing. Notice how this pictures exactly what Jesus did for us in his incarnation and when he died on the cross and shed his life's blood for us. We were the strangers, <laughs> we were the ones that weren't lovely. Come on now, can I get a witness here? We were the ones that were dirty. And he bankrupted heaven and came to where we were and washed our feet, saved our souls, transformed us from the inside out. So here's the appeal. Here's the take home. First question. Are you one of his sheep are you? Are you saved? Are you one of God's sheep? Has there ever been a moment in the time in your life where you turned from your sins, you repented, and you embraced Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior? You can do that right now. You can do that. You can realize that your sin will take you straight to hell and your good works will do nothing for you. But because of the righteousness of Christ and his sacrificial shed blood and death on the cross, you can know God the Father and be born again. You can have all your sins forgiven and your name written in the book of life. Will you believe on Christ today? Will you open up the door of your heart like you open the front door of your house? You can do that just now. And then I want every eye right here. I'm talking to the Christians Scattered across this room. You see, in my life, practically, what will this look like? Well, it means loving the people that are sometimes hard to love. It means going to the places that are sometimes hard to go to. It means doing the things that are sometimes hard to do. So how are you doing today? How are you doing at the least of these, ministry. Last question. And I'm going to ask all of us, will you today, like me, will you start by just offering a simple prayer of commitment to Jesus that says this, Lord, change my heart, open my eyes, and help me to respond. That's a simple prayer. I want you to hear me now. Think. Lord, change my heart. Open my eyes. And help me to respond. You're like, well, what's he going to? I don't know. What's he going to tell me to do? I don't know. Where's he going to tell me to go? I don't know. Who's he going to send me to? I don't know. He'll tell you. Change my heart, Lord. Open my eyes and help me to respond. I'm asking you all over this room this morning, will you pray that prayer with me? I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to get up even from where you are and to come make that commitment at this altar. If you need to be born again today, you come receive Jesus Christ. I'm talking to Christians all over this room. Will you pray that prayer with me today?